Welcome to the Friends of Friends podcast. Here are your hosts, Henry Hargitay and Jason Cole. Yeah. Yer is right. We are back. Friends of Friends podcast. I'm Henry Hargitay. That is Jason Cole. We're kind of coming off two really fun episodes, I thought. Dave Major was great. Joe Toussaint was uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to. WCC and the Big 12. That's right. And all Cole World Training, guys. Friends of friends. Uh, so, you know, this time it's just you and me. Should still be fun. Hopefully people stick around. Uh, as always, we are on YouTube. <laughs> We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get be your podcasts. Be a friend of a friend. Be a friend of a friend. Go like, download, subscribe. And Jay, I, a lot of people maybe on my circle don't know this about you. A lot of people in your circle obviously do. But you were a teacher before all of this Cole World training stuff began. And I remember a very candid conversation we had sitting in a pizza shop in Jersey like two years ago, maybe. And it always stuck with me. You talked about how if you could be a teacher and teach successfully, you can do anything in this world. Oh, and wow. I've, I've always thought, you know, I've always believed in the power of education. I think, um, you know, to a very large extent, you're right. Like if you can control a classroom of 25 kids, the world is essentially your oyster. Yeah, and you sure. experience that like no other people. Yeah, for sure. I was teaching and it was tough. I mean, you got in the classrooms we were in, it was 32 kids in the classroom, 31, 30, 29. Some of the teachers going to watch this, they going, they know. And all of them learn differently. You understand? So when you can get the attention from 30 different minds that learn differently and have them pass and be successful at whatever it is they're doing, right? Because they're so young. I was in elementary school, so I was dealing with kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and fourth grade. I started out my first year teaching with seventh grade and it, I can't tell the reason why I did not continue, but man, pressure when the kids get older, you know, the parents are, you know, they're over the top with some things and, and I just couldn't deal with them at that age. I was also too close in age, I believe. Hmm. So, but like, you talk about how you're able to control the kids. And I imagine like there's some sense of that that carries over to what you're doing right now. What's like oh, the yeah. biggest thing you've learned in the classroom setting, controlling 30 kids who are thinking 30 different ways to the court? Dealing with kids at a high level playing basketball. So you're going to have a guy that's the guy wherever they are. That's, you know, at this level. And sometimes when you're at this level, you don't feel like you can reach this level, you know? So at that rate, you have to know how to get that player better. You have to tap into the efficiencies. So when you talk about a classroom versus what I do now, it's the same exact thing. I'm teaching, you know, I'm teaching every day. Kids are asking me questions. Why am I using this foot as my pivot as opposed to using this foot as my pivot? on this side versus this side. You know, you get to the basket quicker for one dribble that, you know, than you do on the other side. Kids are asking you why 
are you breaking down this equation, you know, this way? You know, math was, I had a math group oh, of 10 kids every morning in first grade. What was, what was your best subject? No, math, for sure. <laughs> Numbers. Numbers. Yeah. So and, you I'll- know, they don't give you groups unless those, I mean, they do give you groups, but I had the group that was the struggling group. So if you want to know what my job description was, I couldn't tell you because <laughs> I was a dean, a basketball coach. I had math groups, reading groups. I had homeroom duties. I, I, I did a lot. So at that rate, I knew the whole school and all the teachers would look to me for discipline things. Yeah. So it was interesting. I used that to my benefit. I just became cool with all the kids and I, I, I tapped into every one of them and I saw that they all learn differently and they all have different things going on in their life that affects them every single day. It's not like me and you. Some kids don't have a parent to wake them up, to get them dressed, to go to school in the first grade. Could you imagine that? Right. No, you couldn't. But we taught kids like that. I was teaching on 118th Street and Lenox Avenue at Success Academy Charter Schools. Yeah. I started on 134th in Lenox with the in, in the middle school. But so that's the thing they say. Like it's one thing being able to control a classroom. It's another thing being able to control a classroom teaching at the public schools in the Bronx. It's a whole other level. Well, that's the Harlem. Oh, you were oh in Harlem. Weren't you in the Bronx as well? Well, that's in Cardinal Hayes. I taught in the Bronx. Yeah. At just after school stuff. How do you go into a classroom of a school that hasn't received funding in years and make it work with the materials you have there and the that, resources? I mean, I dealt with that my first year. My first year, we didn't have yeah. a lot of money. We didn't have right. a lot of funding. You know, yeah. where I was at, Mark Zuckerberg actually donated like 13 million to my school where I was at. He mm. came to the school with his wife walked around i saw him um, you, said, you said what up i mean we was on you know we was on <laughs> like, everybody we knew that he was coming he was about to break us off and that was that so everybody had to be on their best behavior <laughs> no, I, I was all suited up yeah. again i had a tie oh if you kept, caught me back then man, i had a tie on all the time but uh. Yeah. Nah, it was that. it's the same thing I'm doing now to answer your question. I'm in I'm in the gym now every day. And after you see a kid in a game and you see where he struggles, it's very easy to help them when mm-hmm. they get in a gym. Yeah. It's just but if you if you don't if you don't see him perform, it's hard for you to help him. Right. You know, in the gym. All right. I and shoot. that could be footage or whatever. Yeah, I want to I shift gears because when I watch you train, and I think it's like semi-clear from the videos we've been posting, but anyone who's watched you train and watched you in the gym, they know how intense you are. That's one of the things I've always appreciated about watching you train because 
you know, me personally, I respond to that stuff better. Like I need an intense coach, like someone getting in my face and everything. I just respond better to that. But ev- everybody don't need that though. Everybody doesn't no. need that. And you don't do that to everyone, no. but the kids who need it, I'm saying you, you, you're not afraid to like, yeah, you got go to a place you got that other coaches first off, go to. First off to answer that, Henry, listen, when you challenge a kid, you got to be able to strap up. Mm-hmm. You, you better be willing to play. Because all my kids challenge me. Yeah. Because if I'm going to be that aggressive, then guard up. And that's what I do. And every one of my kids could say that I strap up. You know, I'm guarding 94 feet. And if you get a bucket, you get a bucket. But you work for that shit. Yeah. That's a fact. Do you think there's a lack of that in training today? Do you think anything related to AAU culture has taken some of that away from the game? Well, not taken away. I'll never say taken away. Because AAU does so much for kids that don't have the high school aspect, you know? Mm-hmm. There's some kids that only have the AAU aspect and they benefit from it and they go to school and they get the best school or they get the school of their dreams, you know? And some kids have the benefit of just playing high school basketball and not getting into the AAU world and still going to the school of their dreams, right? Some kids need both. So I won't say it it takes away, but, you know, AAU basketball is intense. Yeah. And it could get funny when kids are jumping from program to program. But listen, I'm not mad at anybody for their decisions because at the end of the day, it's their kid and you can do what you want. Right. Just like look at all the rules are changing in basketball now. Yeah, they should. It's about time. So at the end of the day, if you're not playing, why would you stay on a team that you're not playing on? There's there's something to earning your spot, though. No, for sure. But, you know, your level, you understand, you know, your level. So if you're not playing where you're at, if you're not playing where you're at and levels here. Maybe you go right here and you'll get some more playing. That's just like kids who yeah. choose college. Do you think, though, it's a coincidence that three of arguably the top five players in the world right now did not play on the AAU circuit? Luka Doncic, Giannis, and Jokic? They played professional basketball. They didn't play AAU. I mean, that's... But that's my difference. point. That That's better for them, though. Yeah, well, Joel Embiid didn't play pro basketball. He started playing ball at 16. And then he went to Kansas and he, you know, developed the game. And he's a monster. But that's, I'm not talking about Embiid. I'm talking about the three European guys who had nothing to do with AAU culture and came to this country. And like I said, Giannis, Jokic, and Luka Doncic are arguably all top five players. Right. You said Giannis, Luka, and who else? Jokic. Jokic, right. Those three guys all play pro ball, though, at a teenager age. So, but my point is, we've had, we've developed a culture, it feels like, where from the moment a kid is 16 years old, they're told by all of us that they're a superstar. My point is that there's not a lot of coaches like you. It's not always from AAU, though. It's not always from AAU. It's the media, it's people in their circles, whatever. Like, but my point is, there's not a lot of coaches like you, I feel like, who aren't afraid to just humble a kid and tell them oh. realistically where you are and where you need to be. And yes. I feel like part of that lack of honesty 
could be part of the AAU culture. And those three NBA guys I mentioned, they never had to deal with that. Well, it was always prove it. You know, maybe not Luca. Luca was told he was a star since he was like, what, 10? But for maybe. the other guys, it was always Giannis. It was always, all right, prove it. Like, this isn't granted to you. These right. kids coming up in the American AAU circuit are told from 12 years old, like, yeah, that Kentucky scholarship is going to be there. Like, that UNC scholarship is going to be there. Yeah, well, Giannis, you Jokic, down that these guys avenue, didn't have that. When you go down that avenue, right, it's because the kids are looking for college scholarships to go to school. Those guys are never thinking about going to college. They're only thinking about going to the pros because they're already playing pro ball overseas. So when you talk about that, then, okay, you have an argument. Because the kids here, if you're 12 years old and John Calipari tells you you have an offer from Kentucky, which doesn't happen, but they say it does, or who, not maybe not Kentucky, but mm-hmm. you hear about 12-year-olds getting offers and 13 13- it, none of that matters. You no. know, it, it doesn't matter until you're a senior and the coach, the head coach is talking to you about coming on campus and they're meeting you. Didn't Joe Toussaint tell us that when he went on his visit to West Virginia, the whole coaching staff was there during the live period? Yeah. What does that tell you? It tells you a lot. Oh, okay, because the coaching staff could have been out recruiting, but they yeah. weren't. They were there to meet Joe as he arrived in Morgantown. So with that being said, I wouldn't say AAU is is taken away from anything because kids benefit from it. Right. Yeah. Well said. All right. We'll wrap up there. Thanks for checking out the Friends of Friends podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. 